Are you the type of person who's right all the time? Or you think you're right all the time, but you might not be right all the time. Well, how about turning that so-called argument into a debate? My guest today is Josh Martin. He is the host of Indubitably, which is a fantastic podcast, and it's all about debate and debating. So you're going to learn some tips about debating. And what is debating without listening? So let's go ahead and have a listen to this podcast with Josh Barton. What if someone told you that you could learn the secret to happiness or success? Maybe you have an interest in mental health or the unknown, or even the desire to communicate with the dead. These are the real stories and encounters from the real people on Behind the Story with Chuck Talk. And here's your host, Chuck Talk. Josh Martin. Hello. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to be on. Yeah. You know, can you give a little background about yourself and what you did prior to launching your podcast, Indubitably? Mm-hmm. In, in fact, you know, when I was told about Indubitably, kind of ran off my tongue really well. And then all <laughs> of a sudden it's like, hey, I, I remember cartoon characters, somebody, those chipmunks that used to say indubitably yep yep that's it well we were looking for sound bites for our little intro to the podcast and that's one of the things we considered but yeah we went we went a different route yeah well before we talk about your podcast debate because that's what main your podcast is really about is debate mm-hmm. can you give a little history a little bit background about yourself what you did before this and you know the launch of your podcast and then we'll talk about what is debate? Sounds good. Are we going to argue about this or what? <laughs> well, if, if you'd like to argue, I, I prefer the term debate, but if you want to argue, we can do that too. I yeah, have... <laughs> that's what I, I want to make sure that people know that it is an argument, but it, it isn't because it's a planned thing and it's really structured. So it's not really the argument that you have with your parents or husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it might be. It's, it's different. Exactly. But it can so... help you win those. I bet it can. So I started with debate myself when I was in university. And when I was there, my partner and I ended up winning the national championships. And after that, I was lucky enough to turn what had become my passion into a teaching career. So I've been fortunate enough to travel around the world teaching debate, which is a pretty amazing experience. I get to go to different countries and interact with people and cultures, which I think is especially rewarding through an activity that lets us really examine and get to know each other's worldviews and and beliefs yeah i i could have never imagined that there's a possibility of going around the world i mean the u.s or even your local area let alone the the world traveling and teaching debate Mm -hmm. and i think it it speaks to some of the benefits that you get from it and when you're in university, it's a great skill to start, and it's applicable later on in your personal life. It's applicable in your career. It's applicable outside just society in general, engaging in politics. So, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I'm really happy that a lot of the schools and places around the world are seeing the value in it. Yeah, you mentioned politics and debate. It's huge right now for presidential debates mm-hmm. you know, during election time. But I think, in fact, the first televised debate was correct me if i'm wrong and i might be it was between 
Nixon and JFK, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And but I, I believe that was the first televised debate. So And that that had a lot of implications come with it when people were able to see the person they were voting for very different than just listening to them. Was this your initial interest when you went to school, when you went to university, or, or did something change to make you fall in love? I don't know if that's the right term, mm-hmm. with, with debate. You know, I wish I had a better story behind it, but I started debate. I just got lucky. I needed to take a public speaking class. None of the introduction to public speaking classes fit my schedule. So my counselor suggested I took this debate class. I did it and that was it. I I wish I could say I was super involved in politics as a kid or wanted to make the world a better place, but I just needed to fulfill my GE requirements. So you were never an argumentative type of a person never wanted to be right all the time right well okay that that part might be true i'm definitely argumentative so i think i fell into it pretty naturally and but you know definitely a little bit of luck happening to sign up for the class and maybe maybe matched up a little bit with my personality do you think that somebody who does have that type of a personality is more suited for debate or can you can you be taught to be a good debater you know i actually think and we can talk about this a bit later as well Sometimes that argumentativeness can be a disservice because one of the most important skills in debate is just the ability to listen. And sometimes people that are always out there trying to prove their point don't end up listening to the other side and they don't have a real debate versus what we talked about earlier, just an argument. And so I think that it it can help you win, but it might not help you achieve some of the other benefits from the activity that I think are probably more important in the long run. Which is very true because whether it's an argument for the sake of arguing or a debate, you want to come out in the end as being able to prove your point and be right. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's listening is a big thing about about winning about any of this, whether it's an argument or a debate. Right, and you know what's interesting is people usually when they find out I teach debate, I, I do communication consulting in general. Debate is a big part of that. They assume. I must be super opinionated. But actually, the more that I've been involved in the activity and the more subject matters I've debated, the less opinionated I've become. Because you start to realize that there are valid sides to every one of these arguments on every one of these issues. And so it actually kind of softens your stances oftentimes rather than making them more rigid. That might be a little bit different from a psychiatrist. When you go out with a psychiatrist, they're always going to be psychoanalyzing Mm -hmm. you and, and... Second guessing. So it's good to know that once you become a debater at the level that you are at, and like I said, it softens up things. You don't jump the gun to assume things. Correct. I would imagine that you you do listen and you do want to get both sides or all sides of the story. Yeah, and I like that you make that distinction too. It's something we're picky about on the podcast. It's not both sides. I think particularly in the U.S., we have the left, the right, Democrats, Republicans, and we, we have a tendency to divide issues into two sides. But most of these issues are so much more multifaceted than that. And I think that's one of the other things that's important to listen to all the voices that are out there on any particular issue and not just try to break it down into black and white, left versus right. Yeah, there, so often now there are those massive gray areas where if you were to divide it up into a pie, like I said, it's not a 50% black, a 50% white. It's not split down the middle, and you can't say it's Mm one-third. You can almost say, you know, it's a quarter this, it's 10% that, but there's that gray area is so large in the pie. So I know that I'm going to be jumping all over the place in this 
podcast, so mm. I hope you don't mind. No, that's fine. And because I really enjoy listening to all the different topics of debate that you have on your podcast. Can you kind of give a brief description of how a debate works in a formal environment and then maybe like an informal meaning that if you're just going out there and having a conversation and if it's an argument but you don't want to have an argument mm -hmm. and you want to have it be more of a debate right you know without coming out saying to the person okay we're not arguing we're going to debate on mm -hmm. this so. i think the first thing that you need to do is you need to decide what the purpose of the debate is and i think that probably breaks down into two basic areas so what you get out of it is going to change pretty drastically depending on what you're trying to accomplish with it. If you're at a debate tournament, you're there to win. If you're running a political campaign, a presidential debate you listed earlier, you're there to win. And a lot of times that means that you're not necessarily going to give the other side the benefit of doubt. You're going to maybe be a little bit disingenuous with some of your arguments. Maybe you know where they break down, but you're not going to point that out. You're going to, if the other person can bring it up, good for them. If not, you're going to let it slide through. One of the criticisms of presidential debates is how often they avoid the questions. And these are all things that happen if you're just trying to win a debate. So if that's your goal, this is where we need judges because the judge's job is to sort of sift through that. So it's important to realize in that instance, you're not debating trying to convince the person you're debating against. You're trying to convince that third party. And that could change how you approach it. On the other side, when you talk about maybe a debate as opposed to an argument with your family, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's somebody at work, you're debating about how to approach a project that you have, then the idea is that we're supposed to be trying to find common ground. And so instead of trying to run to the extremes and find ways of beating the other side, you're looking to work towards the middle to find the best solution that you can. So sure, you have your side of the issue that you'd like the solution to lean towards, but you should be open to compromise and finding areas where you can include solutions that cater to the concerns of the other party. Okay. I think about that as a meeting of the minds, joining of the minds. So like you said, a, some sort of compromise. And this is where it becomes a, a great benefit to people to understand how to debate. Mm -hmm. So how would somebody like me be taught that or how would I approach something like that? Mm -hmm. First of all, I think you want to establish, it's like a negotiation. You want to establish what your goal is, right? This is what we're trying to accomplish. And you also want to establish some of your bottom lines. Here's the areas where we're not willing to compromise. So as we debate each other and we start to shift each other's positions, you want to have in your mind, this is my end goal. And these are lines I'm not willing to cross. And then make sure that you're open to the other areas where you can compromise. You can kind of give and take a little bit with the other side. After that's done, I think it's also important to understand the same thing for the people you're debating against. What are their goals? And a lot of times, it's you know, people have goals that are more similar than they would think coming into a debate. And realizing that, I think, can help you. You're doing this in front of a judge. You're trying to convince the judge, showing that you're looking to the goals of your opponent and trying to incorporate them as well as your own is very persuasive for a third party that's listening. It shows you're the reasonable one. And if you're trying to convince the person that you're debating against, it also goes a really long way for them to truly believe that you're not just trying to get whatever you want for yourself, but you are trying to find the best solution that gives them a little bit of what they're looking for as well. I'm just thinking about sometimes with discussions and you might ask somebody point blank, so what do you mm -hmm. want? 
And, and their answer is, I don't know. So what happens when you come across that situation where, you know, you've laid out in front of them, you're having a discussion, which is a debate mm-hmm. that uh, it's turning into debate. And you say, well, these are the things that I want. And these are the things that I'm not willing to budge on. What do you want? And they say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you do then? <laughs> well, this is, a, this is a benefit. And this is my career. So I think about this all the time. And when I inter- interact with different people, this is the mindset that I'm in. And I think that's one of the skills that debate fosters in people is, again, when you're listening to people and you're approaching them with empathy, you're starting to understand where they're coming from. Oftentimes you might be able to identify goals for them that they haven't identified for themselves. And if you're in a discussion or you're in a debate and you're able to outline that and say, hey, you know, I, I, I can feel we have some differences here, but at the end of the day, I think that we both want what's right for our family. We both want what's right for our company. If it's in politics, we both want what's right for the country. Some of the best presidential debates we've had, I can hearken back to Obama versus McCain. And there was a lot of discourse out in society that were trying to pit the two against each other. But when they were debating, McCain, I remember saying very clearly, hey, I don't agree with him on most anything, but I trust that he has the best interests of our country in mind. And so having that common ground and recognizing goals, even if they don't recognize it themselves, but if they if they think you're debating in good faith, it goes a long way to helping you come to a solution. One thing I just took away from that that's huge is finding that common mm-hmm. ground. So it almost sounds like being a debater or being in debate, there's a lot of human psychology behind it as well, understanding the mm-hmm. person. Any kind of communication, just basic rhetoric, the first rule, and this would be for a podcast too, I'm sure you're, you're great at this, whether you realize it or not, is knowing your audience. When you're communicating, it's less about what you say, and it's more about what the audience hears. So if you can't put yourself mm-hmm. in their mindset, it's really difficult to communicate with them effectively. Yeah, This already is very, very informative. So I want to make sure that people know where they can go to listen to your podcast as well, because like I said at the top of the show... I thoroughly enjoyed some of the episodes that I listened to in your podcast. I really appreciate that. We're actually on pretty much all of the podcast platforms. So you could find us Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, etc. We're at Indubitably. We call ourselves The Debate Podcast, which is a little bit presumptuous, but that's the title we went with. I'm going to suggest that the listeners and viewers really go to your podcast because it is great. And it's it's a fantastic way to listen to how people approach topics, subjects for discussion. Now, going back to you again and in debate, and you had mentioned that sometimes folks who are argumentative are not often, or it can be a hindrance. Mm -hmm. So can you expand a little bit on that where, you know, you would think that somebody that always likes to argue is going to be a great debater or a great attorney, but oftentimes they, it, Right. Maybe the best way to do this would be with an example. If we had a debate, Mm -hmm. say a big issue right now is climate change. And if we had a debate between an environmental activist and say a coal miner, the initial assumptions are a big deal here. So say the coal miner is debating and says, I think that we should continue to support the fossil fuel industry. Of course, the environmental activist isn't going to like that. And they might fill in if they're argumentative and they're just looking to win they might fill in assumptions of what they think the coal miner means by that and say you don't believe in climate change 
you don't want to work towards green technology, you're not worried about sustainability. And they're building up what we call a straw man. You're putting up a weak version of the arguments to attack rather than dealing with the arguments themselves. And if they listened, it's possible that the coal miner says, hey, I'm worried about my family. This is the only career that I know. And if we don't have support for the fossil fuel industry, if the mine that I work at shuts down, I don't know how I'm going to feed my children. I don't know how I'm going to afford health care. And he's not saying any of the things that this activist assumed that he was going to say. And so at the end of that debate, we have a completely unproductive discussion where nobody actually addressed the real concerns or like we talked about either the real goals of the other party. And that's where the argumentative people, sometimes they like to talk more than they like to listen. And oftentimes that leads to them missing the point. Okay, that makes sense. 100%. Yeah. Now, going back to you again, early in your career, this is going back to college and stuff, when you first started doing this, it's what do you do to prepare, or even mm -hmm. now, what is it that you do to prepare as a debater? I know that topics are selected ahead of time and you, and you research, but is there anything in particular that you that you have to do to prepare for well, this? Well, actually, yeah, actually, depending on the type of debate that you do, the topics aren't always given ahead of time. So the activity, the oh. format that I competed in, you would show up to the tournament and they would announce the topic 15 minutes before the debate started. And so you're not allowed to use the internet. You would go off. It's all doubles. So you would have a partner. You'd go off with your partner. You'd talk about what you want to say. And if it's an issue you don't know anything about, you're in trouble. And so this is one of the other benefits of debate. A lot of times I get that not everybody's like me and interested in politics or, or these issues. Sometimes it can be boring, dates and names and facts. And debate and that competitive element can tap into a little bit of, hey, I want that trophy. I want the results. I want a ranking. And it can incentivize you to start researching things that you might not or reading things, listening to podcasts, you know, things that you wouldn't have otherwise. So the most important thing you can do is just become engaged with the world around you, what's going on, what the issues are, problems that people are facing, other countries. And, you know, that goes a long way towards giving you the ability to talk about them. Inadvertently, this is what a couple of friends of mine and I used to do oh, 10 or 15 years ago. And we made a game of it and never thought about it as a debate. But what we would do is we'd meet once a week for a beer, but we'd get there. And the purpose of us meeting was to have a discussion mm -hmm. on the news that happened that week prior. But we would not pick out any topics. It would be one of us would throw out, hey, I read this in the paper and this is what I think. And we would give our opinions about it. So I can see where it could be something healthy if people get together and do this. And then pretty soon it's going to, I would think it would help them to be able to listen to people and to intelligently respond and to come to some sort of meeting of the minds. Right. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is, can you turn this into a learning experience and a, a game for everybody and anybody to do it is a debate party, if you <laughs> yeah, want to call it that. Absolutely. You know, I've been trying to learn Spanish and it could be tedious to learn a language. It's very difficult, very daunting. And I'm on, this is not like an advertisement. I just happen to be on it. I'm on Duolingo. And it does a really good job of gamifying the learning process. And it gives you a little streak. How many days in a row are you going? And because of that, you know, I have this urge to come back to it where if it was just the language or for our conversation, if it was just, hey, let's look at the politics of Great Britain, 
I'm not sure how consistent I would be week after week listening to it. But if I know I have a tournament and I've got a trophy on the line, I'm much more motivated to to do that. You sparked an interest in me to go out there and, and find friends to do this with, ha have that conversation, have the, have debates. Healthy mm -hmm. communication, really. Especially this past couple of years, you know, with the separation from people, the isolation and things like that. I think this would be a great way to reconnect with your friends, make new friends, and to have healthy discussions is to learn to debate and learn to do this. With your podcast, Indubitably, has there been a favorite episode that you've done, a favorite debate topic? I have a couple. So we, we look to explore controversial topics, and some of the ones are things you would typically think of, like gun control or vaccine mandates. And those are great, and that's what people think about when they think debate. But some of my favorite ones are subject matter that you might not expect, things like dating apps. What, how does dating apps compare with traditional dating? What are the benefits and drawbacks of that? Or we did a Halloween special where, given the fact that the zombie apocalypse is inevitable, would you rather be a zombie or a human? And it seems like a silly topic at first, but as we go through this discussion, it really turns into us examining what does it mean to be human? And what parts of ourselves would we be willing to lose and still want to carry on? Or at what point do we just give up and say, I've, I've sacrificed so much of what I think it means to be human that I would rather just be a zombie. Do you remember what episode that is? Cause I want <laughs> that was to October one. 31st, I think. So it was our Halloween, Halloween special, <laughs> but some of those topics, I think it gets All people right. thinking in ways that they might not. And it gets them seeing controversies. And we did an episode about food that went. The title is Pineapple on Pizza, but I promise we went beyond that. And looking at traditionalism when it comes to, you know, the culinary arts versus, you know, people that are looking to innovate and where on the balance we should lie. And it's not something I ever would have considered was a controversy, but people that are involved, you know, chefs, people involved in the food industry, it's a big deal for them. I see threads on certain postings about, you know, should pineapple mm -hmm. be on pizza or should pineapple be mixed with pepperoni and things like that? And some will say, no, that sweet and spicy is the best taste. And others say, mm -hmm. no way. How can you do I that? I did get a so, lot of yeah. hate after I said um, that I was pro-pineapple. There's some of these other topics I want to bring up that you had discussions. You're a Nazi science. Is it wrong to use discoveries? That one was very, very mm -hmm. interesting. So if people want to check something out, it was one back on July 24th. So it was, but That was one of our more recent ones. And kind of the discussion you and I are having right now, we try to split our episodes between conversations where my co-host, our guests, and I will come together and really examine a topic where the three of us will float back and forth together, talking about arguments on one side, the other side, like we said, all sides. And then some episodes like that one, we have a competitive debate and we're actually given more structure. I'll speak for six minutes. They'll speak for six minutes. And Depending on the topic, the subject area, sometimes we feel as though it's more conducive to have a conversation about it, and sometimes we feel it's more conducive to kind of go at each other with it. Yeah, which I found very interesting on that one where I did not think that I would like a structured debate mm -hmm. type of situation. It, it made sense, and enjoyable might not be the right word because of the topic, of subject course. matter, but it was enlightening to listen to different sides of the story, and then it really caused me as a listener to think and understand where different people are coming from but it was an awful difficult decision on what what would i decide on that's uh, one so. of the hard parts about debate if 
it matters the most when the subject material is the deepest or impacts people the most seriously. And when it's something that can literally change your lives or in some cases end your life, if you have an opinion on that, you're not going to want to compromise. If you really think that what you believe is the right thing to believe and the impacts are that great, it can be very challenging to come together with somebody else that disagrees and have a healthy discussion. We see that, I think gun control we mentioned earlier is a perfect example of that. And obviously there's some other issues that are going on right now where people believe these are matters of life and death and they look to the other side and they see the other side as, as a group of people that are making decisions to end somebody else's life or put somebody else's life in danger. And it's, it's super challenging to come and have a dialogue with somebody if that's your opinion of them. I've experienced some things very similar to what you're saying, and it starts out as a debate, but it can quickly turn into an argument. And it seems like it's more so if it's not in a formal mm -hmm. debate situation. It almost seems like if you're not a debate, a debater, or if you are so entrenched in your own way of thinking that this has mm -hmm. to be the way, it seems like it inevitably becomes an argument because possibly one side of the party or the one side of the person is turning it into that. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I'm thinking about this. When you're pointing at somebody, there's always those fingers <laughs> yeah. pointing back at you. But I, hopefully you and the, the listeners understand what I mean by sometimes you, your, your intent is to have a good discussion or debate about that topic. But inevitably, if it's just a friend or somebody else, it turns into an argument straight out argument and then there's no way out other than to say right okay sometimes it's better not to have the discussion I'm if done. you're not ready for it but the more you debate the more you develop a level of discipline and you asked earlier what are some of the things you can do to be a more effective debater and that level of discipline is one of them right staying firm on we're trying to have a civil discussion here because we're trying to find the best solution and forcing yourself not to devolve into that kind of emotional state where you start attacking the other person personally, ad hominem attacks is what we call them. So that level of structure or discipline is even challenging for me sometimes. On our podcast, we make a commitment that we want to cover all of the arguments on all sides. And that means sometimes I'll be saying things that I don't necessarily agree with, but I've committed to the process and I try not saying we always succeed, but try to stay disciplined enough to give arguments that I don't believe, but have value and have credible logic and evidence behind them, give them the airtime that they deserve. Yeah. And the two words that really jump out to me is emotion. Like you said, a lot of people let their emotions get into it, but you got to be mm -hmm. logical as well. You know, <laughs> long and prosper, like your character spy, right. it's like logic. And sometimes you need to, you need to stick with that. Are there subjects that you should try to stay away from you'd mentioned gun control and things like that but you know out there in general is there would you say there are certain things that you should just stay away from religion right politics or are those the top to me those are the fun and mm -hmm. interesting things where i can learn from others but are there topics that you really should stay away from that is just uh so not I'm, I'm biased i run a debate podcast so i'm gonna say no but I was thinking about this actually when you were talking earlier, you and your friends meeting at the bar, and that's either a great idea for a bit of lubrication to the conversation, 
or a horrible idea to get people arguing with alcohol involved. But if you look to other countries in Europe, for example, meeting at the pub, meeting at the bar, having discussions on politics is just the norm. And there isn't this sense of, like you said, avoid religion and avoid politics. People grew up doing that. And so they've kind of learned the rules of when you're crossing a line, what you're allowed to say, when you're pushing things too far. In the U.S., we, we don't have that. We have the opposite, where there are these taboo subjects. And so, you know, realizing that that is the case, there's definitely people out there that would probably appreciate you avoiding certain topics. But if I were to be constructing my ideal world, I think that if we start teaching kids at younger ages how to debate, people can start developing their critical thinking skills around 12 years old. I think it's a great time to be getting involved in the activity. There's a lot of middle school debate leagues that are springing up now. It's becoming more and more prevalent as an activity. And I think if we have a culture that learns it young and learns how to do it respectfully and have that discipline, I don't see a reason why we can't have a, a culture, a country of adults who can sit at a pub and talk about anything and walk away not hating each other. I agree on that. And I also wanted to ask you, and you kind of touched on this is there was a point in time that you would see debate being made fun of or debate being popular mm -hmm. however you want to view it through movies you would see these movies and they would be mm -hmm. something about debate you know whether it be the nerd and the debate or it, it's something centered around debate but then all of a sudden you saw it drop off you know there's no movies no scenes about kids doing debate and stuff like that I wanted to ask you, was there a drop-off point, and is it coming back now? Is debate something that's well, coming to get, back? I don't want to get too in-depth with the sort of semantics or the politics of debate. There's different formats, and the different formats of debate, again, prioritize different things. And so when debate becomes gamified, and it's about winning tournaments, it becomes a little society of its own, where debaters are speaking in a way that only other debaters understand. They start talking faster, they start using lingo, and they're not worried about persuasion, they're not worried about listening, they're worried about scoring points. And I think there's been a big shift in that, towards that, in competitive debate in schools. And so if there's an outsider who's never heard debate before and they listen, they just don't get it. It doesn't make sense to them, it doesn't translate. So I think as much as I'm saying that it's great that we're teaching debate in schools, we also have to be careful. And I think that it's important, like I started the episode with, to think about the purpose. And when the purpose becomes just to win and just to get trophies and just to put it on your resume, the activity starts to break down. When you're trying to have middle schoolers, high schoolers learn to debate so that they can engage with the world around them more effectively, worry about persuasion, learn how to listen to the people, learn how to communicate with their audience, I think it's an amazing activity. And if that's the focus, we're going to have more movies like The Great Debaters. I think it was Denzel Washington. Great movie. Yeah. I'll tell you one that the, one of the first things that popped up in my mind for movies, and they did a poor job of debate because it was just winning, mm -hmm. scoring points and to win. The computer who were tennis Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you ever Absolutely. remember that? From and it's funny you say that. <laughs> one, of the, one of the people that I debated with and, and popular on the world circuit actually had the first debate against artificial intelligence recently. So debate is also something they're starting to train AI and train computers to try to debate. And I think it's a really interesting activity because it is so much about emotions and humanity and persuasion, which is not something you would typically think a computer could do. 
That's like the one thing we have over them. Is the they'll emotion. try to the it's funny to listen to the computer try to be persuasive and try to make an argument tugging on your heartstrings. It's not effective yet. And oh, so okay. yeah, the, just the computer yeah. trying to tap into something that is so human, like fear, anger, gotcha. these sorts of revenge, any of these sorts of things. So spoiler alert, the the human won this time, but we'll see how long that lasts for. It makes sense because you're mm -hmm. trying to emote an emotion. Like you said, tug at one's heart and where I can see where a computer mm -hmm. just talks <laughs> in a monotone type of thing. And it, it, there's no emotion. You're going, well, I don't, I don't feel the fear from you about this or I don't feel the sadness. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe but this. But the way things are developing, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly not going to be the one to say it's impossible that they'll be able to in the near future. I agree with you. And that, you know, that's a huge other topic as far as AI, especially with general AI. And that's the scary part. I mean, we have AI out there doing a lot of you know, manufacturing things, but with mm -hmm. general AI. And that's, def that's definitely um, something we did an episode on, that, <laughs> if the viewers are interested. Mm -hmm. I'm yep. looking for that one. On general, I I'm looking for that. I'm getting, I am seriously getting goosebumps because it, it can be frightening, but I also believe it is, mm -hmm. it's inevitable. You know, maybe not my lifetime. I but think so. I Give it 200 years or maybe 100 years, and I think the general AI will be there. And for, for fo folks that don't know what general AI is, look it up with general AI because there are different levels of different structures. Well, this is what leads to killer AI. robots. That's the fear. And that's, right. again, that's yes. an example of where yep. <laughs> it's, it's the tech world, but we're going to have to debate about what to do. Do we pursue it? If it does come into existence, do we, how do we regulate it? And these sorts of conversations, people are going to have opinions on them. They're going to feel very passionate about them. There's a lot of money to be had. There's potentially security concerns for it. And if we're not able to have productive conversations, we're going to be in a hole before we realize it. And, you know, some of these, I'm not trying to be too doomsday here, but some of these scenarios, I'm not going to be the one to say that they can't come about. I'm going to throw this out there because with general AI, my, my fear, my thought is we need to have our history, meaning human history, humankind, just to know where we have been. And we need to know and understand about slave labor and labor and slavery. Because when we get mm -hmm. to that point of the general AI oh, and God and religion, we're the creators. Well, and then mm -hmm. until they take over, are people going to look at these AI, these beings at that time as inferior or are we going to stipend them because we're afraid that they are superior or we don't want them to get to a higher level? I mean, there's a lot of different implications as far as general AI and in the future of mankind. But that's no, just but there's, going it, way it's off, not, though, Because it? there's some really fascinating principled or practical concerns, and it, it is related to debate because how else do we decide what to do? There has to be a debate about how do we treat them. They are robots. So do we treat them as property? But then that comes with some pretty serious moral implications, like what you said and some of the things we've done in the past. And so finding that balance, if, if we can't have a conversation about it, how do, we, how do we decide? Yeah, absolutely. This is fantastic. I just want to make sure that people are aware that they can go and they can find mm -hmm. indubitably your podcast on all the podcast channels because there's a lot of great discussions, a lot of great topics, a lot of great debates on there. And definitely listening to your podcast 
I feel as though you can learn from it. And what I mean by that is you can learn how to listen and you can learn how to prepare and you can ha- learn how to have a, a good discussion. Yeah, we, we hope to serve people. as a good example of <laughs> practicing what we're preaching to everybody. Do you personally offer services as far as how to how to listen, how to debate, how to I do, prepare? I do uh, do a bit of work as a communication like consultant. So typically I'm guest lecturing at universities around the world. I do some work on political campaigns and with corporate clients. So I'm in that sphere. Most, uh, most people personally aren't interested enough to, to take classes like that, but you know, that's definitely the world that I work in. Wow. This is fantastic. Josh, I mean, is there anything else that you could think of that you want to add to this podcast show right now? No, I think the, the, the big debate? thing to reiterate is, is I think it's super important just the way that society is moving forward, that we get better and better at listening to people. I think it's a skill that's degrading. And I think you can see just in the public discourse more and more, it's turning into accusations, name calling, threats. And it's a road that I don't think we want to travel down, considering we have such big existential threats coming up. And if we're not able to have conversations like artificial intelligence, like climate change, you know, any of these issues, if we can't have discussions on it, we're sort of dooming ourselves to failure. And I'm not trying to get depressing, but the big, the big takeaway is hopefully give people that you disagree with the benefit of doubt. Really make an effort to listen to them rather than talking and just try to be empathetic, see where they're coming from, see what their goals are. And I think you find that you aligned more often than not. I hope you enjoyed this podcast with my guest, Josh Martin, host of Indubitably Podcast. So please join me again for a future podcast and keep rating, liking and sharing. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast with my guest, Josh Martin. And remember, find his podcast show, Indubitably, which I'm sure you're going to enjoy. I'd like to also add a big thank you to all of you who continue to listen, share, and support this channel. Without you, this would not grow. So thank you again. I hope you have a fantastic day and come and check us out again. We'll be back with another episode shortly.